Hi, and welcome to the Daring to Leap podcast. I'm your host, Lori Phillip. I am so excited to dive into this week's episode with you. What if we took full ownership and power over where we want to go and who we want to be? And we made it our decision and stopped waiting for someone else to grant us permission. This week, we're diving into self-empowerment and radical ownership with Kimberly Spencer, founder of Crown Yourself. Join us as we get inspired through Kimberly's powerful story, learn why you should crown yourself queen, the power of radical ownership, and how to shift your mental programming so that you have the life and career that you want. Let's dive in. Kimberly Spencer is here. Kimberly is an award-winning, high-performance, trauma-informed coach and trainer, Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and the founder of crownyourself.com, helping visionary leaders transform their self-limiting stories, build their empire, stand out fearlessly, and make the income and impact they deserve. Welcome to the podcast, Kimberly. Lori, thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to be here. I am so excited to be here today. And I, I love the title of your podcast, like the Daring to Leap, because it's all about boldness and making, take, seizing those, those moments that like can, can paralyze you with fear, but choosing to be daring and making that leap anyway. Right. I mean, I, I really feel like it does embody this essence of who we want to become, right? Is it once you realize what it is that you really want in your life, in your heart, in your um, just your experience of this short period of time we have on this planet, we also then need to have the confidence and the courage to go for it. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you today because you're. Your brand embodies this empowerment feeling, especially for women. And I really, really love that. And I'd love to hear about your career journey and what were you doing before you decided to launch your own entrepreneurial journey? Uh, I, I launched my entrepreneurial journey at the age of 19. <laughs> so I've been an entrepreneur for a while. Um, uh-huh. I, I was in show business and I was a screenwriter. And apply, and in order to support myself, I needed to find a job, and I needed a job that I could be have flexible hours. So I started freelancing Pilates, and that was my first mm-hmm. business that I started to really understand what it meant to show up, what it meant to be present, how to engage customers, how to mm-hmm. how to interact. And I took that skill set, I modeled it in show business, ended up getting my first feature film distributed, produced, Lionsgate picked it up. It was on Netflix. It was called Bro. I co-wrote it with the director. It was all about the high-flying, hard-partying world of freestyle motocross. And I was at the premiere of this like lifelong dream at 24. And I was like, why am I only 90% fulfilled? And Mm. so I'd been supporting myself with my Pilates business. I ended up turning my Pilates business into having my own brick and mortar studio. And so I've always been very bold and audacious with my with my ass for my career. So I was the president of this e-commerce company for two years. We got it featured in all the major magazines. I pitched mm-hmm. it to the first round of Shark Tank, got it doctor recommended by multiple doctors. And then two years into this partnership that was 
a year, about a year in, I was noticing that we as as partners were making leadership decisions very differently. I come from two entrepreneur parents. I believe in starting off small and scrappy. My business partner had different ideas. He mm-hmm. wanted to get an office. And I was like, let's maybe not spend budget on that. But just different values alignment and how to start a business and how to grow a business and in what was important in a business. And after a while, like it just was to the point where I was so stressed. I was like literally waking up at 3 a.m. in sweats. My hair was falling out. I was like paranoid to answer every customer email. And finally, my business partner was like, I, I want to buy you out. I, it initially came as a shock to me because I was like, I'm going to fight to the death to keep this company. And then after a while, it was three months before I was supposed to get married. And I just midway through, I was like, it's coming close to my wedding. I don't want this. I don't want to carry this over into my new life with my husband. And Mm -hmm. so we ended up signing the buyout agreement three weeks before I got married. I wiped my hands clean of that company and made a clean break, went off on my honeymoon in Italy. And I was sitting on the couch and I was like, what am I going to do when I get back? And (laughs) I had, I had no ideas. And Mm -hmm. so as, as you do on your honeymoon, I was brainstorming with my husband and I feel I probably had way too many espressos and I was thinking of all of the passions that I had for health and for entrepreneurship and for finding that that soulmate partner, that relationship and having this concept of holistic success. And Mm -hmm. I leaped off the couch and I said, crown yourself. And my husband was like, what's that? And I said, that's the name of my company. So the problem was, was that I then went about doing all the things that I told, have told many entrepreneurs for many years like to not do was what I call productive procrastination, where I did yes. all the things of I got a website, I got the logo, I got like all the things. I was posting some things on social media, but I didn't have the commitment and I wasn't making that daring leap to be faced with rejection again. And I wasn't making mm-hmm. sales. So for a year and a half in my business, I made about a hundred dollars. I at first thought it was like no money. And then I went back and looked and I was like, oh, I actually did make $100. But that was that was my self-confidence took a hit because in the past, I had always been very audacious with my career. But with after being, you know, dealing with three months of multiple lawyers, lots of older men telling me that I was incompetent, uneducated. All of the all of my deep seated fears and every insecurity that I thought I'd solved in every other area of life, life in my body and my relationships, I never had those insecurities when it came to my business. But suddenly I did, and so for a year and a half I dabbled in my business. I was a wantrepreneur, not really an entrepreneur. And then I found out I was pregnant. And as you know, Lori, becoming a mom like changes your perspective on everything. Totally. And I had this deep knowing that the person that I had become in that year and a half was complaining, blamey, not taking ownership, very much a victim mindset, was not really being the queen. I was really faking it. I did all the photo shoots, did all the things that made my brand look nice, but it it, it was a glittery turd. And (laughs) I had to really own that. And it's not a sexy conversation of taking full radical ownership. The person that I was being negative, complaining, blaming, I was like, this is not the role model that I want to set, especially since I was having a son. And so I immediately went off. I got certified in NLP, timeline therapy, hypnosis. I knew it was a mindset problem because 
the same mindset issues I had struggled with over a decade prior in my body. I recognized the same pattern. I recognized the same belief systems of not enoughness, of not deserving, of complaining, of, of blaming other people for my circumstances. And I knew that I could recover. I knew it was a mindset piece because I knew I could change my mindset around it because I'd recovered from a 10-year battle with bulimia with no psychological or medical intervention. And I knew I just needed the tools. I needed, and I also had yeah. a nine-month deadline to figure it out because I had to have a baby. So I got certified, changed my life. Within a few months, I got my first sale. I suddenly, I then got another sale. I then got another client and it's just grown ever since, since 2016. And it's been such a blessing, so much so that we, ended up growing our family with one other child. And then I added on another business as well. So the entrepreneur gene is just deeply rooted in me. It sounds like it. Oh, wow. There's so much there. I, I think what I want to sort of point out and acknowledge is as we move through our lives, for you, it sounded like you went through this roller coaster of you had all these big aspirations and ambitions and you did it and you did this and you did that. And so it was later on where some of this negative sort of beliefs came in, questioning yourself. So it it's interesting to me because I think sometimes we're like, okay, that person, she's just confident, period. Or she she does she knows what she's doing, period. But it's it happens where throughout our lives Things come up that can knock us down a bit. And the power is in being able to pick yourself back up, dust yourself off, regroup. And it sounds like that's what you were able to do. And it's such a big accomplishment, Kimberly. It's Thank truly you. amazing. Yeah. The, uh, there's a great book that I'm rereading called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. And mm -hmm. in it, the, the devil, he's in a conversation with the devil about how all the ways that the devil goes about bringing people over to his side. It really was like one of the key points is like the devil says to Napoleon Hill, he says, oh, I use failure. And I never, like I had always used failure as fuel to my fire. I don't like I being in, starting out in Hollywood when I was 17 years old, like graduated high school, dropped out of college two weeks before I was supposed to start, went out and started pursuing my career in entertainment, working for production companies, like doing small script reading jobs and, and, and script supervising and things like that. Like I knew that no is just a not right now. No is not a, like I would like no's were my fuel. But right. after putting so much heart and soul and like building a business and there's a lot and, and that goes to say that there's a lot for this piece of surrendering the attachment to the thing, to mm. what it is, to what it is that you create. And that's a huge part of, of this of success that I found is when you de-identify with the things that you create in this world, whether it's a business or a product or even your kid, like when you detach in Buddhism, they say attachment is the root of all suffering. And so, but what does that really mean to detach from something? Well, it it means that that identity that you have, it's not this enmeshment of codependency with whatever it is that you're creating. It's you are your independent being. It is its own independent entity. Entity, And when you look at a business from the perspective that it's not your baby, it's not your who you are, it's not your soul, it's not your identity, but your business is 
or, or your, even your career, like it's, it's still, it's not your identity. You are so much more than, than just your career. You are so much more powerful than just the things that you're doing in your business. When you can detach from that and recognize that the business or your career is a vehicle to allow you to have the impact that you want to have, sometimes that vehicle needs to go into the shop. Sometimes that vehicle breaks down. Sometimes you need to go out and buy a new vehicle. But it's, mm-hmm. it's not the thing. It's not who you are. You are not the vehicle. You are just driving that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, it's so important. It really, really is. And when I come back to this concept of crown yourself queen, and I really, I want to talk about this a little bit with you because when I heard the, the title of your brand and your business, I really was like, you know what? This is so true. Like we, when we take full empowerment of where we want to go and who we want to be, it's really up to us to decide who to crown ourselves. What is it that we wanted? We're queen. It's not going to be some other person coming over to you. Kimberly, I'm so proud to announce that now you're a queen. No, it's, it's, it's you that gets to decide, which is, can be looked at in a positive and negative way in a sense, because it's okay. I get to decide it's on me to promote myself into this elevated identity. But so I, it's not going to, I should stop waiting around for somebody else to come in and tell me that. Tell me a bit about why this resonated with you so much and, and became your brand. So I believe that this, this theme of crowning yourself was years in the making before the idea ever downloaded into me. And it really came from this moment where I was at the tail end of my bulimia recovery. I was a beauty pageant girl. I did. I was Miss, Miss West Burbank in the Miss California pageant. And I had worked my butt off. Like I'd been teaching Pilates. I'd been doing Pilates for the first time in my life. I felt really good in my body. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't through starvation. It wasn't through any sort of abuse to my own self. It was because I was nourishing myself. I was taking care of myself. And I really loved how I looked. And I felt so confident in that pageant. And from that moment, I remember the moment it was the bikini competition and I was about to walk out on stage. It was 2010. Walk out on stage in front of 4,000 people in my swimsuit, something that I'd, I'd done in smaller arenas. But, and, and beauty pageants actually were in a weird way, like a catalyst to helping me heal because they helped me find my tribe of these ambitious, beautiful women who wanted to look good and who wanted to do good in the world and who wanted to be successful. Like, I was like, that, that. Was an, I was like, that's what I was looking for because I didn't find that very much in high school or in, in, cert, in many mm. circles. And so I walked out on stage and in front of this crowd of 4,000 people and everything was like dark, but you could hear the cheers and the horns and the, mm. the, 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 the screams. And there were like seven faceless judges down there. And I walk out on stage and I feel the crowd and I feel the who I am inwardly and what I'd done to get to that moment, all the internal healing that no one else saw, but I Mm -hmm. knew that I did. And I looked at those judges and I was like, 
I don't care whether I won or whether I lost because I don't need your validation Mm. as to whether I'm worthy of that crown. I knew I crowned myself. And it was that moment that sparked this, this concept of crowning yourself later on. And when you think about, and I've always been obsessed with princess stories. Like Belle was my favorite princess. I grew up like running around with a book in my hand, dressed as Belle for weeks, if not months, as a child. And <laughs> I, I never liked the stories of princesses who just had to lose a shoe or get kissed to, to kind of wake themselves up. I loved those stories mm-hmm. of women who had to go out. They had to slay their own dragons. They had to champion a, a challenge to then reclaim their kingdom. And it was from that space that I started looking at this concept of the queen. And a queen, if you think of an actual queen, like Queen Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. she was raised from the moment of her birth, being expected to rule. And yet so often for us, as especially as women, we're not seen in that space. We're not being trained and conditioned. What happens when we're kids and we tell our kids, oh, I want to be a queen or a princess. Oh, well, that'll be a great dream when you grow up. Wait until you grow up. Like we are surrounded by people who put dampen, who dampen down our dreams. And what if we, we trained ourselves like a queen where we are expected? It's not just like a responsibility. It's an expectation that we are going to be in a position of leadership, leading a country. Now, I'm not saying you have to leave a, lead a country, but you could be leading a small team, a, a giant mission, a nonprofit, a career, like a, a team of a Fortune 500 company with a thousand employees. Yep. If you imagine putting that level of expectation on yourself and then conditioned yourself as you are now to become that, my gosh, what a different mindset then. Oh, I'm just starting my business. Yeah. So... It's a, it's a totally different mindset. And a queen is surrounded by people who are training her. They are preparing her. They are coaching her. They're giving her support in the angles and in diplomacy and communication and leadership, guiding her and molding her as to how she can reign. But how often do we surround ourselves with the community and with people in positions, whether it's coaches or mentors or people that that can fill the gaps and guide us to where we mm-hmm. want to go. Yeah, it's it's actually, I love this idea of queen because as you mentioned, it's expected, but it 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 doesn't feel like this weight of a sink or swim, or it's almost like you're expected to to rule or lead in a you're you're just going to. It is your path and you can totally do it. And here is here is the support. And it's different than just, oh, my gosh, could you imagine I'm going to wake up and be president of the United States tomorrow? And you're like, oh, I don't want that. Just take it away too much. Right. It's just it's, it's a different kind of concept and feeling. And I've talked quite a bit on this show about support and recognizing that most successful people have a lot, a lot of support behind the scenes, whether it's mentors, coaches, staff, you name it. They don't just show up in their where they're at today. There was a whole evolution and a process to get them there. And we're 
a lot of the times we think we have to do it on our own and we don't. We just don't. Even if it's just having some really good, strong confidants, friends, supportive people in your life is a huge start. Yeah, it's it's such a huge start to be able to, I mean, it's been said that you are most like the five people that you surround yourself with. But then we expose ourselves to different stories, different belief systems, different possibilities. And just with that exposure, it blossoms our mm. awareness of what's possible. And so, yes. for example, one of my clients, I will always be grateful to her, Barbara Conver. And she, she is just, she showed me at a young, young age, the power of a beautiful marriage and relationship. And I was like, I was 19 years old. It's been almost 20 years. And I still remember her name. I still remember the lessons she taught me. I, I, and that was just from being in conversation. That's why, mm -hmm. Lori, I love podcasts like yours because the women who are choosing to listen to your show, they are exposing themselves with every interview you're doing with different potential belief systems, different potential ways of going about and doing life. And so we can retrain our brain from the survivalist mechanisms into, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, there's so many different ways that we can thrive. And so which way actually do we feel most aligned with thriving? Because some people have just gone down a path that they that was filled with shoulds of all the shoulds that they thought they should do in order to mm -hmm. get to where they want. And so often when we follow that path, it's not as fulfilling because mm -hmm. we get to that and we're like, oh, why wasn't I 100% fulfilled? And when we can instead flip the script to taking that complete ownership and saying, well, okay, if this isn't fully what I want, then what is it that I do want? That was what I said with my, with my screenplay. When I, I saw it on the, at the premiere, I said, wow, this wasn't fully what I wanted. So what did I do want? And I said, I want to be the producer. I want to mm. be the director. I realize, and, and that's, that's basically what being a business owner is. <laughs> You're the, I'm the producer, yeah. the director, the, the architect, which is a screenwriter of the systems and the story. And, and then I have people come into my team and, and fill in all those other holes in the production of our business. And that's, it's not being in that industry. I actually was just working with a client from entertainment. And she, long career in entertainment, long career in development, and she pivoted completely into doing something that so fully aligned with her soul. She'd never been an entrepreneur in her life. And within three months or so, she had gotten her first $10,000 contract to do something that leveraged her skill sets from entertainment, but that she was able to, to put, pour into an area of health and fitness that she absolutely loved instead of in an industry that she didn't feel appreciated in. And mm -hmm. that's the power of the exposure of exposing yourself to different friends, different mindsets, different belief systems, whether it's on a podcast or at a conference or, or with a coach, being able to have that exposure because then that shifts the possibilities for you. Mm -hmm. It totally does. I want to shift mm -hmm. a bit here, Kimberly. We've been talking a bit about core beliefs and identity throughout this interview, but I really want to get some specifics around it because I know that this area is a really important area when you work with your clients. 
why do you spend so much focus with them on their identity and core beliefs? So if you think of it like an iceberg, right, we have what we see on the surface and what is underneath the surface. And my favorite story that I've been obsessed with since I was 10 years old was Titanic. And what sank the Titanic? It was not seeing the, the tip of the iceberg that was poking up above the ocean, above the surface. It was everything underneath. It was a giant hunk of rock and ice that was right mm -hmm. underneath that ripped apart the unsinkable ship. Well, the same is true for our unconscious minds. And our values, our belief systems, our identity are all unconscious programming that we have, whether we've consciously accepted that programming or consciously changed our values, or more often than not, it's been unconsciously programmed for us by about the age of six or seven in the imprint period. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. have a, a belief system of values that sets the tone for how we go about and experience life. And unless we're clear on what it is that we value and, and why, then unless we're clear on that, then we bump into the, oh, this feels funky. I don't know, if, like, why, why am I not being appreciated in, the, in this industry? Why am I experiencing this? crappy boss? Why am I experiencing this? Well, that's a sign that there is something deeper there, like you said, of, of not only just what do I want, but also what is it that I value? And sometimes it's recognizing, oh, I'm actually not valuing myself. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe that was something you were taught in childhood is your children are to be seen and not heard. And so that, that deep inner child is, hi, I'd like to be valued. So it's looking at the values is basically the subconscious structure of what you're building. And so not, I only not look at the values of our own identity and belief, but also what are the values that you want to imbue and create as a foundation of your business or your career and then aligning it. So I would say about 80% of my clients are entrepreneurs, and, but there's about 20% that are career women. And they still find this work incredibly valuable because for example, one of my clients, when we really looked at her value structure, she realized that the, the job she was in, she was accepting far less than she was worth. She was being treated horribly by her boss. And she was like, this doesn't align with these values. But she had some core beliefs that were, were around deserving, that were, mm -hmm. uh, were correlated to some trauma she had experienced in childhood. And once we cleared that up, she suddenly got her dream job with a $12,000 raise and the freedom to travel and got to leave that crappy boss who was incredibly toxic for her. But I always tell my clients that that which is conscious will manifest happily. That which is unconscious will manifest unhappily. And so if we were to take extreme ownership of, of our lives, like absolute extreme ownership, and look at, okay, how is this a projection, this unconscious thing that I don't like, that I don't want, how is this something that is a belief, values-based programming, or something that I was taught that maybe I picked up from somebody else in childhood, probably one of my caregivers. And is that something I want to still continue? Is that serving me for where I want to go? Because when you can look at that for yourself and then that for your business, you then build what I like to think of as the castle walls for your, for your business structure and for your life structure as far as who gets to come in and who gets to stay out. So if you think about the values of a business like Disneyland, like magic, play, childhood wonder, well, if you're a 
sulky, grumpy person, Disneyland might be a place to be complaining about a lot of the lines. So it may not be a place you want to go all the time. But then there's those people who at Disneyland have the passes and they go to Disneyland like every week and they love it. They love the childhood wonder and the stories and the nostalgia and all that because that deeply correlates to values that they have versus the grumpy person who their values are different. Maybe their values are austerity and seriousness and being professional and like this childhood wonder is not very professional. Doesn't mean that's bad. Just means it's not an alignment of values, and that's not somebody who's going to regularly frequent the kingdom of Disneyland. Well, if you think about what it is for your business and your career, what are the things that you value most about your career and your business? And if you're there's some of those you're like, oh, I didn't know I valued that, then you you can always shift that. You can always shift that priority and shift it to a value of something else that that actually will produce the results that you want. So being able to look at that from not only the structure of who you are and the programming, because I always like to tell my clients, it's not you, it's your programming. Like just like a computer, when a computer gets a glitch, we don't, we aren't saying like, this is a bad computer. No, it's got a, it's got a malware on it. It's, it's got a software glitch. We can just, we just got to clean that up. But when, and so when we can shift that within ourselves and we can, when we can shift that in within our businesses and our careers, that that's when magic happens. That's, that's how you alchemize problems into opportunities in every area. And that's how the entire foundation of who you attract into your world and into your kingdom changes. Absolutely. And I love your perspective on it, that it's, it's, it's not, there's nothing wrong with us. And, and I go back to when thinking about this type of work, what you said earlier is a lot of the programming occurred when we were really young, like six or seven around that age. And so we didn't choose these beliefs. We didn't intentionally choose some of the lessons that we learned during that time in our life and some of the things that popped up to protect us during that time in our life. And now is the time where we can kind of take a peek and, and make some changes and intentionally decide what notice what I'm valuing. What do I want? What do what we go back to? What do I value and what do I want and all these things? And, and this is where you start to shift. Uh, my question is, Kimberly, a lot of the stuff, as you mentioned, that manifests a bit not positively is a lot of the times we're not aware of it. It's in our subconscious. How do you help your clients start to see the stuff they can't really see that they're not aware of right now? Because that, that part gets a little bit tricky. It does. Yeah, it, it can get a little tricky because especially when you're not aware. So it first starts with taking extreme ownership. And, and even though, yes, I completely agree with you, Lori, what your programming that you adopted with in childhood or that you adopted to survive or for safety, I work with a lot of people who have had a lot of childhood trauma. I ha experienced uh, several things in, in my past that were traumatic, but that that awareness that it, it's not your fault. It is your responsibility to heal it. Because once you're aware of this program is not manifesting effectively in the results that I want, then, then you have at least the awareness, which is the building block of I, I have the power to change it. And the only way you will change it is if you stop blaming others 
for their part and take responsibility for where you're at, for your own healing. Um, it was like when I when I realized with um, my bulimia, I had to, my dad was an addict. I uh, grew up. If if you've ever heard of the, uh, the the childhood adversity test, as far as if you score a four out of ten, they basically put you at high severe risk in their language for anxiety and depression. I scored an eight out of ten on that on that test. So there were a lot of things that happened in my childhood because of his addictions that were traumatic, that were, that definitely had ingrained some belief systems. And I'm not surprised that I ended up with a 10-year battle with an eating disorder because it modeled his own addiction. It was just my way of controlling that situation. But what happened was, was that in my healing, I had to recognize that even though the belief systems mirrored my dad, even though those experiences of his addiction and the emotional, verbal, sexual abuse that happened, even those experiences, even though those created the bulimia disorder, I had to take responsibility that it was never him shoving my finger down my throat. That was me. And once I took responsibility for that, I realized that if I took responsibility for that, then I would be able to be fully own my healing. Otherwise, he would always be a part of my story. And he would get some of the credit for my healing. I was like, I don't want you to have credit. I want you to take full credit. That's my healing that I did. So, and he did his own healing. He ended up in the last four years of his life. He, he became sober after I staged his intervention, which was the most proof to me that you can transform at any age. It was amazing. But it starts from that place of taking absolute mm -hmm. radical ownership for where you're at. And then once you take that absolute radical ownership, looking at the experience and detaching yourself from it, and almost like you're watching a movie of your own life. And ask the question, what is this an example of? How is this a pattern? Start asking yourself different questions to get to the strategy of what's going on. Because like I said, it's not you, it's your programming, it's your strategy. So when you're able to look at what is the strategy that, that, that is happening, what is the program that I'm kind of just modeling and, and following through on? That changes the quality of the question. Because instead, when we're like, oh, why is this happening to me? Well, your subconscious mind is going to answer the question. It's going to be like, oh, because of this experience in childhood. And remember that bully that happened in middle school. And oh, yeah, it's because of this, this, and this reason. And here's all the reasons as to why. That doesn't really solve the problem. No. So if you can first start with taking radical ownership, and then secondly, look at the question that you're asking, detach yourself from the situation, literally, almost like you're watching the movie of your life and say, what is this an example of? What am I not honoring within myself? What do I need to see? What do I need to, to have revealed to me? How do I, how could I create the change in this situation? How could I have responded differently? What could I have done differently in this situation? How, what could I have done in order to produce the result that I wanted? And it's going to challenge you to go through the stages of learning. Because there's going to be the first stage, especially if it's deep-rooted, deep subconscious stuff from childhood, you're going to go through the time where you're like catching yourself after you made the mistake because you fell back into that old programming. Ah, oh, dang. Okay, I, I know that I did the thing again. I need to like, okay, I, I, what could I have done differently? Who do I need to be? How is, how, what is this an example of manifesting in my reality? And then once you look at that and, and you'll go through that process a few times, you'll then start to get to that, that, that second stage of learning where 
you're in conscious competence where you'll you'll catch yourself with, oh, before you make the mistake, you're like, I know what to do differently. I know I need to think about it differently. And then you start, that is how the transformation happens. And then you get to the, the third stage of learning where suddenly that new behavior, that new programming becomes the default. And you're, it becomes so unconscious that it's, it's just naturally, it's who you are. I love that process. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. There is that fine line between, I didn't create this programming, but I can. It's empowering to know you can change it. And it's going to take some introspection and some the right questions and some time to heal that. Uh, thank you for sharing that process with us. We're going to start to wrap up this interview, Kimberly. And I'm, I'd love to hear some any last closing re- remarks or thoughts for our audience today listening to this conversation. I just encourage you. I know that ownership, taking radical and extreme ownership and responsibility is not the sexiest conversation to have with yourself because it feels painful. But I guarantee that the that the short-term pain will bring lasting, long-lasting feelings of comfort and joy and prosperity and love and abundance because of that space of taking radical ownership. And when you can, that is how you create the freedom that you desire, no matter what the situation is. Thank you so much for your time, Kimberly. Could you share with us how we can connect with you, learn more about your work? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to, if you like this conversation and you'd love to learn more, just head on over to crownyourself.com and click the button that says work with me. And I look forward to having a deeper conversation. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time and your stories and your wisdom. And we really appreciate having you on the show today. Thank you so much, Lori, for having me. It has been a pleasure. And like I said, I am so excited for every single woman, man, person who is listening to this podcast because just by listening to your podcast, they are choosing to grow and expand and transform and bring, get more awareness. So thank you for what you're doing in the world. Thank you, Kimberly. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, I would love for you to subscribe. If you're already a subscriber, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend. Hope you all have an amazing week. Until next time. Bye.